This is the Man Up Report Podcast with your host, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. My friend Toby is a drummer. That's right, he's a drummer. And he, uh, the guy can play any drum in the world, including uh, drums from Africa. He has studied in Africa with tribes um, and has done just amazing work with these guys and has learned all of the ins and outs of uh of drumming and the tribal rituals that go with drumming and how drums connect to the earth. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing uh, that Toby has done. And the interesting thing about Toby is that that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg for him. This guy is a natural connector. Everywhere you look, he's always moving around, connecting people, and he's always doing it in a way that's kind of unassuming, but he's always at the epicenter of big things. I was just at a TEDx talk up in Cincinnati and there was a I was speaking at it and um, you know Toby was was not one of the organizers but yet every party that was there everything that was for the speakers it, you name it he was there and he was always in in talking to the most influential people and quietly having impact and you know I went up to him and I said Toby my friend, you are a catalyst. And he looked at me and he goes, what's that mean? And I explained it to him. And when I did, his eyes just lit up and he, he really, really got what I was saying. And you could tell that he had just been, he had just been given almost a gift in, in the self-realization of who he was. And that is the, per, that is the, that is the topic of my podcast today. And uh, I think you'll find when we're done here that many of you listening to this are just like Toby and that you actually have a very, very powerful tool um, that can allow you to have a seriously high impact in today's world. And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about what that tool is and how you can take it from instinct to skill and have the maximum impact in your life and in your business. Hey, everybody, this is Scott Mann, your trusted source for leadership issues that matter to you. And on this podcast, on the Man Up Report, you know, what we really focus on is uh, impact. You know, for me, that's always been my thing. I think it's because I grew up, at, you know, as a kid, just a runt of a kid. And and I always had to really struggle for any kind of um, influence or any kind of impact, um, it was not easy for me. And and so as a result of that, I always wanted to have a bigger impact than what people thought I could. And maybe it was because I wanted to prove them wrong. Maybe, I don't know. But I always found myself kind of on the outside looking in, in the beginning, and then moving my way into a position where I could have impact bigger than anybody thought I could, and certainly bigger than myself. And so the topics that that I tee up in the Man Up Report typically focus around what's going on in the world and how we can have impact, how you can have impact uh, over those things and in your own life, you know, because for all of us, we have just been inundated by the so-called leaders at the institutional levels, political, media, corporate, uh, even in our own community, right, who, who are supposed to be the, the leaders who inspire us, who challenge us to, to become our better selves and and, and really pursue our dreams. And you know what? I don't see that anywhere anymore. I see leaders who are self-absorbed. I see leaders who have their own agenda. I see leaders who it's all about them and preservation of their power, right? Using these institutional platforms. And it has come to a point in our society where um, it's eroded the trust in these institutions and it's eroded our trust uh, in each other. And in, and in their efforts to stay in power like this, what they've done is they've um, fostered 
a, a sense of distrust among, among the people whom they serve. And, and a lot of that is to put, pit one group against the other so that they can mobilize certain populations for votes or certain populations for money or certain populations for influence. And we've played right into it. And, and even if we haven't played into it, we have suffered from it. We have, a, we have been affected by it at a second and third order level in the erosion of trust in our society. I mean, if you look around the world today, and you guys, you guys know me if you've listened to my stuff before, you know, as a Green Beret uh, who spent most of my adult life in trust-depleted societies, high-conflict societies, low-trust societies, um, you know, I've always been one to pay close attention to human dynamics, to group dynamics, to what's going on around me because we have to. If we get it wrong in our line of work, we're just 12 guys. We're dead, right? So we, we And we go by design into these uh, low trust areas and we establish relationships and we, we build trust over time. We restore trust and ultimately we mobilize people in, in movements to do things they would never do on their own and fight back, push back uh, from the inside out, from the bottom up. And it's what I've spent my entire life doing. It's what I just gave my TEDx talk uh, on up in Cincinnati and more to follow on that. I'll keep you guys posted on that. That should be coming out in, in about five weeks from the recording of, of this podcast. Um, so, you know, look for that. I'd say probably late July is what we're thinking. And we'll make sure we get it out there and get it on Facebook. And I'm going to ask you to help me share it with your tribe because in that talk, I talk about how Green Berets operate and how we work from the inside and how we get surrounded on purpose. Uh, to solve problems. And, you know, this is an approach that I believe very much can work in your business, it can work in your community, it can work in your family. Um, But the world that we operate in as Green Berets, the places that we go into are very low trust, high conflict. And I'm here to tell you guys, that reality is coming here to your society, whether you live in the United States, whether you live, you know, um, in Europe, or someplace in between. Right, the erosion of trust is happening at an epic rate in our society, and all of the polling that is being done to measure what Robert Putnam calls uh, social capital in his book Bowling Alone, you know, it is um, it's eroding, it's going away, and um, it's having a dramatic impact on how we treat each other here at home. It's having a dramatic impact on how our businesses run. It's having a dramatic impact on how prospects consider working with us or buying from us or investing in us. It's having a dramatic impact on how clients decide to stay with you or not stay with you. Um, It has an impact on if clients get unhappy, how they react to you versus how they used to react to you. It's having a dramatic impact on how your employees treat each other and how they view you. I can't tell you. I work in so many corporations, and I and I work to help them, you know, build their teams, or in many cases, rebuild their teams by restoring trust. It is an epidemic. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. It is an epidemic uh, in the corporate world. The erosion of trust that has happened between senior leaders and the associates out there in the trenches doing the work. It is pervasive. I, I cannot tell you how many calls I'm having to tell people, no, I don't have the more, any more bandwidth to do it, where I get requests that say, Scott, can you help us build a team um, that gets our senior leaders reconnected with their people again? There's just such a gap. You know, we've lost trust. And uh, it's, it's every industry from auto salvage to banking. 
and 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 mortgages, you name it, small companies, big companies, it is just pervasive, and it's an erosion of trust. And and frankly, most people don't recognize what's going on. They're they're being affected by it, and they're even playing into this erosion of trust and this escalation of conflict in a way that humans are designed to do. In other words, when trust gets low and conflict gets high, and and and, and the churn, as I call it, starts to happen, where people form into in-groups and out-groups around scarcity of resources resources or the perception of that around fear. Uh, you form these groups, right? And these groups um, are are natural. The, the, we, we go into groups when we get afraid or when we think there's not enough resources, and that becomes our new um, our new sanctuary, and 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 that's where we draw our strength from. Instead of, you know, kind of an outward focus, we withdraw, and we withdraw into these very groups of people who look like us, who maybe have the same amount of money as us, or who sit in the same cubicle block as us, and it becomes us and them. It's a it's it's a clannish, uh, honor based society, tribal way of of operating. And, but it's human. It's very primal. It's it's we're actually wired in our DNA for it. And this in group out group behavior, you know, it happens all the time. And I can't tell you. That the number of businesses I see where that in-group, out-group behavior is is permeating and rising up from the bottom, and what it does is it it it, it overshadows um, the narrative or the brand of the overall business. And now what you have are these divisions inside the business, these little tribes that are warring against each other. And you know you see guys like Seth Godin and others who who write books about tribe in a way that it's it's lofty, or or Sebastian Younger that it's actually desirable. Let me tell you, there's a lot about tribal behavior. And status behavior and clan behavior that is not desirable. <laughs> There's a lot about it that, from a social evolution perspective, you don't want. And um, in group, out group behavior, lack of trust, warring factions, um, you don't want that. I've, I've worked in those places most of my life and it never ends well. There's no winners, especially if you're a business owner or, you know, if you're, if you're working with this in your community, it's, you can't have it. And it's actually happening at a macro level in our country, right? If you look, turn the news on for a few minutes and look at all the different in groups and out groups that are popping up and all of the factions that are popping up within the country. Um, and, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to advance their position. They are trying to ensure that they are not uh, imposed upon or treated poorly. And, you know, in some cases, um, that has happened, right? And and so they're trying to do it from a self-preservation perspective. But, you know, ultimately, when you have one group vying against another group for uh, better treatment, or advantage. You can't have a common narrative. You can't have a common goal. You can't have unity of effort. You can't have shared purpose. And when that happens, you can't even have a democracy, right? Because the, the out of many come one, uh, all created equal, that just goes out the window, right? It just becomes in-group and out-group behavior vying for advantage over the other. And it is, it is tribal at its purest essence. It is tribal and it never ends well. Um, and I will tell you, if you just open your eyes to that reality, I mean, Gallup took a poll in 1972, uh, one-third of Americans don't trust their neighbor. Today, Gallup is showing that as two-thirds say that. Um, if you look at all of our institutional organizations, from the police, the politicians, media, you know, those numbers have dropped from public trust to from the 70s and 80s. Uh, in the in the 1970s, down to like you know single digits and small teens. Um, so we don't trust our institutions. We don't trust each other. We just showed that with two thirds of Americans not trusting their neighbor. And now a recent poll says 77 percent of Americans uh, believe the country is divided. That's the highest number in American history. So all the numbers back this up that we are becoming increasingly divided. And my point there is that. 
The trust depleted high conflict places I worked as a Green Beret, they look a lot like where we live today. <laughs> and I wish that wasn't the case because it pisses me off because it's my kids, Cody, Cooper, and Braden, that are going to inherit that. It's your kids that are going to inherit that. And we are, you know, we might very well be, you know, you could make the argument that it was our parents, the baby boomers, but we might be um, the first generation uh, to, to hand over um, a country or a society to our children that's worse than we found it, you know? Worse than we found it. I have a problem with that. I, I really do. And so I'm always looking for ways to, I don't accept it, right? I don't accept that. I do not accept uh, these so-called leaders with titles who tell me that I need to just stay in the bleachers, who tell me that I need to be mediocre, who tell me that I need to let them handle it and they'll take care of it and that I really have no place handling it. Um, and that it, to assert myself as a man, to assert myself as a father, a husband, a leader, an American uh, is uh, wrong. It's not right. You shouldn't do that. Um, it, you know, it, and I'm not, I'm not tolerating that, right? I don't accept that. Um, I believe that all of the things that I just rattled off are not only perfectly acceptable, they are needed, right? We all have a position to play. Men have a position to play. Women have a position to play. All of us are here, I believe, on this earth to have an impact, to have an impact bigger than ourselves, to leave our tracks, as my dad Rex says, to, you know, to punch above our weight, to fight out of our weight class, and to, to leave tracks that don't serve us or those around us, but those who follow us. And I believe that in my heart of hearts, and I operate that way. I've always operated that way. And the people who work with me, who I coach, who come to my workshops, um, they're the one. They have to buy into that. Like I will not work with anyone who does not believe that. And that includes corporate America, right? If I'm working with a corporate organization that wants to rebuild their team and get stronger, and they don't believe in having an impact bigger than themselves, I have no use for them. And I've walked away from from some big organizations and some big you know financial opportunities because I can't play that way. I'm not going to play. Uh, that amateurish route, right? You are either in for something bigger than yourself or you're not. You are either about impact or you're not. And so if you're listening to this podcast right now, I know that most likely you are about impact and, and you're asking yourself, okay, well, if the, if the society is becoming so trust depleted, if this is really our reality and this is what's going on, what can we possibly do about it? You know, like what can be done to actually overcome this? How do we hand the, the society over back to our kids better than we found it? And I believe you can. Um, I, I believe there are, there are two tools I'm going to give you right now. And I have not, this is not theory. You guys know me. I don't operate on theory. I operate on things that be, are best practices. Either I have done them or um, I have seen them done in other places. This particular set of tools that I'm about to give you right now, I'm going to tell you something. Like you better sit down and get your damn pen out and start writing. And if you're not, that's on you, right? Because I'm getting ready to lift the tent up and I'm going to give you some, some training on some tools that you are not going to find anywhere else. And I have used these not only as a special forces officer to, to implement the village stability program and some of the toughest places on earth that ended up being um, supported by President Karzai, funded for Congress by Congress for like $500 million, you know, briefed to the, to the president on multiple occasions, endorsed by General Petraeus. I mean, major, major input from what I'm about to tell you right now. I've used it in real estate to build a multi-million dollar portfolio. I have used it uh, in nonprofit efforts to raise several million dollars for veterans uh, advocacy to include my own nonprofit, The Hero's Journey. I have used it to connect 
with major players like Bo Eason, world-renowned speaker, Stephen Pressfield, best-selling author, Chris Crow, um, co-writer of Last of the Mohican screenplay, Stuart Diamond, to be trained, one of the three guys ever to be trained by Stuart Diamond as a negotiator. Um, you know, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm telling you that because I use this, guys. I use this in my life. And I, you know, I struggled my entire life, like I told you earlier, always on the outside looking in. I was always on the outside looking in and looking for ways to make an impact. And I discovered this over time, iteratively, um, you know, some of it by accident, some of it by design, some of it by, you know, training. And I'm sharing it with you now, right? If you want to have more impact, higher impact with your fam- with yourself, with your family, with your business, at work, with your community, in your nation, way above um, where you are, this is what I'm about to tell you will do this. It will help you do that, right? I mean, it's got me on international news regularly, right? Talking about stuff that I care about, like fighting ISIS. Um, you know, it's 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 allowed me to put two number one international bestsellers out there, right? And and all of that done myself. I don't I don't have a team really that promotes me. I have no training in that world. It's just following this process. So I hope you're leaning in here and you're recognizing um, that you know me. If I if I cite those kinds of examples of how I've used it, you damn sure better be listening and leaning into it and figuring out how you can take it and make it work in your life, right? Because we need guys and gals like you having an impact, right? I, my kids, I need you leading my kids and I need them to have the kind of impact that you were born to have. So get ready. Here we go. Um, the first thing, it, there's there's two tools that we're going to go over today, right? And, and one of them is bridging trust. I need you to understand bridging trust. You need to be dialed into bridging trust in a way that no one else is around you. And those of you who've been trained on this by me before, you know, we're going to go a little deeper here, but this is just a reminder. We always need it. And then number two, I need you to be a catalyst, right? So we're going to talk about those two things. The first one, uh, bridging trust. Um, you need to understand that bridging trust is the highest form of trust in the world. And I modified this definition from Robert Putnam's uh, book, uh, Bowling Alone, which is a, a pretty darn good read on, on what's going on in our world with the erosion of social capital. And he actually calls it bridging social capital and bonding social capital. I've modified it down to bridging trust and bonding trust. And basically, bridging trust is the ability to trust beyond your own group, right? Just in the most simple terms. But what you have to understand is that the real leaders, the ones that have an advantage in life and business, they know where we come from. They understand that we all come from a clan mindset, a status mindset, a tribal mindset. Pick up my book, Game Changers, and read chapter three, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But we all come from the origins of you know a tribal type origin. And in that, you only trusted the people who were closest to you, your mother, your father, your sister, your brothers, your cousins, maybe your neighbors. Those were the people who you foraged with, you hunted with, you roamed with, you fought alongside, and you had to because there was such a scarcity of resources. And that's how your status was maintained, was in the context of that in-group. And that in-group was always competing for resources with what? Other moms, dads, brothers, cousins, sisters, who formed out-groups. And it's just that simple. And the only other party to that was strangers, right? Strangers um, were gr- you know groups or individuals who came in and out of these orbits of in-groups and out-groups who could potentially offer solutions. They might be an enemy, but they were always kind of kept at arm's length by the in-groups and out-groups until they figured out where they stood. Um, but those were really the only three dynamics that were there. And so the only trust that was possible, 
during that type of um, social interaction was bonding trust. You bonded deeply and you trusted deeply with your mom, your dad, your brother, your sisters because you had to, right? You had to in order to survive. And that was a very, very powerful thing. And so bonding trust was deep, not wide. When you got to the edges of your social in-group, you know, trust became very limited. And so you could be the best brick mason in the world. Um, you are not going to build a house for anybody in those out-groups, not because you're not a great brick mason, but because you're not from that in-group, right? You're from another group. And so they'll take the drunk Uncle Louie, right, who's a shitty brick mason because he lives in that in-group. Right? So can you see from this very basic dynamic how this tribal mindset is doomed if based on the life we want to live and the impact we want to have in a free society? Can you see now how the social evolution of bridging trust in a democratic society to not limit yourself to having trust just with people in your in-group, but rather to bridge beyond your in-group and have relationships and deep trust with people who are not like you, who are from a different ethnicity, who are from a different race, who are from a different socioeconomic status, or whatever. And it was really the, the emphasis on the individual through a constitution, bill of rights, rule of law, that allowed us to explore and expand into this new bridging trust dynamic a couple of hundred years ago. It's a novel concept. And yet here we are today in our society literally destroying it and going the other way, aren't we? We're reverting back to where we come from. We're becoming tribal. We are going back to in-group, out-group dynamics. And who's fomenting it? Who's at the head of the ship? All the leaders. <laughs> All the leaders with titles who are supposed to bridge beyond it, who are supposed to build on what our forefathers built with the Constitution, with the Bill of Rights. And yes, we've had mistakes along the way we have demonstrated in group out group behavior everything from 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 slavery from women's suffrage we have made mistakes but the premise of bridging trust and trusting beyond one's in group to create a network to create a new tribe uh, is a powerful thing right and if you understand that fundamentally you already have an advantage over everybody else around you right you have a true advantage over the people around you and if you get that now, what I want you to do is I want you to see through a new lens. When bridging trust, when bonding trust is occurring, you need to be able to see it. And at the heart of that bonding trust, that deep but not wide trust, you will see uh, overt in-group and out-group behavior. It will, you'll, it'll be as clear as day. You can't unsee this. You're welcome. <laughs> Right, You'll see it in your office. You'll see it downtown. You will see in-groups and out-groups competing over resources and status, mostly out of fear and perceived resource scarcity. You'll see it. Right, I was just talking to one of my clients yesterday. Uh, they're acquiring a couple of new steel companies, and guess what? You know, Those companies are just demonstrating all kinds of in-group, out-group behaviors inside the company because they're terrified that they're going to lose their jobs. They're terrified that things are going to change dramatically for them, and so they're going to revert back to their primal mammalian nature, their primal social nature, which is in-group, out-group, bonding trust. They're going to circle wagons with the people they know, and they're going to get their knives out, and they're going to resist pretty much anything that um, you know the new leadership brings in, right? And then if we're if you're not aware of that, when you come into that situation, you automatically you get your back up because you take it as offensive, and now you become primal and tribal. Do you see how this can just churn? I mean, even our president right now and the whole political situation, you can just put it through that lens and watch it, and you tell me what you're saying. I'd love to hear your comments, right? But it is a framework to really understand human dynamics. Now, 
where we want to get, you know, where they want to get with that steel company is bridging trust. You know, ultimately, the leaders of that company want to um, bridge beyond their in-group, which is their steel company, into this new out-group and make them one, a new tribe, a new relationship, a new network. And I'm telling you, I've spent my whole life doing this. I've, I've, <laughs> I teach this at Fort Bragg to this day. Um and if you will just adopt that mindset for starters, you have an amazing advantage over those around you. So bridging trust. We want to go to a place of bridging trust. Your job is to bridge. Your job is to bridge beyond your in-group into other out-groups. If you will do that thing, you will have an advantage over 99% of the people around you. You will have a competitive edge over your competition. Uh, why? Because no one does it. Everybody right now is reverting back to tribal behavior. They're getting caught up in the churn. They're getting caught up in those tribal dynamics of this in-group, out-group opposition. And once you get in that, you can't come out of it. You lose your credibility. You get so emotionally invested in it that you cannot bridge. So I'm telling you right now, um, take advantage of this reality. You've just gotten some information that most people in the world are not going to get. Um, they don't train on this stuff. It's like 0.00000005% of the population even know this exists because we only train on it in special forces and the Q course and a few other things that I teach. So you have an edge. You have an edge right now. You have a way of looking at the human terrain around you like no one else does and, and value. I need you to value bridging trust. It doesn't mean that bonding trust is bad. Right. I mean, we have bonding trust, for example, in the United States against uh, ISIS. Right. That's an in-group and an out-group. There is a time and place for in-group, out-group behavior, and it's a natural occurrence. But it cannot be tolerated as the overarching operating system for relationships. Do you understand? So if you own a business or you work in a business or you have a family or you're trying to do something in your PTA, you cannot have in-group, out-group behavior as the overarching way of human dynamics. And if you do, it's tribal. And it's going to have all kinds of feuds in there and you're, you're going to get caught up in the churn. Are you with me? Damn, this is better than I even thought it would be. And it's so much fun to talk to you guys about this because I know some of you listening to this, I know your head's already spinning and you're going to start taking it for action. So we're going to stop it there. We're at about 25 minutes. I'm going to make this sucker into a two-part podcast. And we're going to go ahead and, and take the next one down. And I'm going to tell you the second thing you need to do. Now that you know what bridging and bonding trust is, and you know how to diagnose it. You know that you want to move always toward bridging trust and sustain bridging trust and value it over time. Um, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how you do that, right? I'm going to. I'm going to tell you how you can become, or if you already are, you can get more conscious of and work the skills of the catalyst. And that's what we're going to talk about on the next episode of the Man Up Report. And uh, we're going to leave it there. If you have not. Um, if you have not joined our tribe, our bridging trust tribe, baby, we are all ethnicities, races, um, uh, socioeconomic statuses. The thing that unifies the Man Up tribe is impact bigger than self. How about that? And if you have a desire for impact bigger than self, join our tribe and let's take the microphone from these so-called leaders, these amateurs who are setting the world up shitty for our children, right? Manup.com. Go there, sign up, man. I've got a video blog I put out every week on really killer tools. It's free. Uh, all kinds of resources there. 
You can find out where I'll be speaking and where I'll be doing workshops and how you can access these podcasts. Like, it's a very cool tribe. It's where real leaders are going today. Manup.com. Sign up for the video blog and to be part of our tribe. All right? Until next time, this is Scott Mann, your trusted source for leadership issues that bring impact to your life and your business. I'll see you on the high ground. I fell asleep around Maker, running 80 on Highway 75. 18 years old, yeah, thinking I was good to go. It was a stone cold miracle, how I survived. I took out three Georgia pine trees, turned that car to a pile of scrap. I walked away. Without a scratch Well that should have been a self-correcting mistake Kind of thing that leaves you wide awake All it did was feed my bulletproof So many times that I cheated death When people I love died for less Whole lot of second chances that I blew You asked me how I got here how I found this place The devil tried hard But my fate cut the cards It was God's grace Fast forward to an angry young man Fighting in the hills of Afghanistan Living for the moment On a one-way track I learned my trade And I learned it good I learned the value of brotherhood Still cuts me like a knife The ones that didn't make it back well, I can see their faces When I close my eyes Brother, you can bet As long as I'm alive They'll live on like a solid gold Country song so many times that I cheated death But people I love died for less Sometimes it don't seem right that I live on You ask me how I got here and how I found this place The devil tried hard but my fate cut the cards It was God's grace Never been the one to look back The one thing stopped me in my tracks Was when they laid that baby girl in my arms With all the demons I'd protected And the skeletons I'd collected Started turning loose with a cold grip on my heart I guess I found a little clarity For once in my life I could finally see it ain't my job to understand And all of the times that I cheated death When people I love died for less but Only God knows a plan Only God knows a plan 